fallen way behind schedule, but this is one council that will not be disbanding. We are a Rock Up Love Radio, your favorite casual X-Men chat show, and this is episode 47. I'm that nerdy Papa Bear Rod, and this is the man who is already teaching in 120-degree Arizona summers <laughs> because his mutant power is masochism. My <laughs> one and only Omega mutant, Keegan. How are you, buddy? Uh, warm. <laughs> Uh, at the what time you, of your lows, <laughs> so our lows are in the 90s right now. That's insane, and it is now day 26 of 110 plus degree highs. See, we I thought I lived in a desert, like, we've, <laughs> we've had 510 plus degree days this summer, and that's been hell enough. I can't imagine being consistently there for a month straight. We've had more than nine 115 degree days. <laughs> Supposedly at our airport, which is always, you know, airports are out in the middle of nowhere, so they get the hottest. The asphalt was supposedly over 140 this week. I cannot imagine what it would be like to stand on that asphalt, but. That sounds about right. It's gotten so hot here before that the uh, the airport had to shut down because the runway was melting. <laughs> Dude, we, we have a small enough airport. They just shut down when it gets that hot. But the, the asphalt does that every summer, at least, at least for a week. There's that, that window where they have to, all right, we're, we can't <laughs> run anything over it right now. Yep. Other than that, how have you been? Uh, good. Enjoying enjoyed the end of my summer and now enjoying the beginning of a school year but enjoying some good comics with that sounds so horrible to me to say well we're still in july but you know what when you're having breaks and i'm not getting those breaks we'll be even yep uh we haven't posted an episode in a while and we haven't recorded an episode in a while we're gonna dump this episode on the same day as some others before it so the audience might be confused i haven't actually sat face to face with keegan in a couple weeks so it's very good to see you friend it's good to see you man so this week we're getting this episode we get to talk about the comics came out july 12th so we're talking immortal x-men number 13 road and gamut number five x-force number 42 and then going around the marvel universe with X-Men, Days of Future Past, Doomsday number one, Scarlet Witch number six, and The Fallen Friend one-shot. You want to talk Immortal? Let's talk Immortal. Written by Kieran Gillen, drawn by Lucas Warneck, it opens with Doug, Cypher, watching the Quiet Council meeting from the limbs of Krakoa as they debate Colossus's proposal to reveal the Sins of Sinister timeline to the world. He's worried about the rotting leaves as they fall from the tree. Uh, he starts philosophizing about what that means in relation to Krakoa as a whole. Then some time passes and we're in another meeting uh, where Emma's addressing the council. Flashbacks reveal a protest on the steps of the United Nations where human agitators are threatening her because obviously we did go public with a sense of sister timeline. And uh, as they're threatening her, she made them basically point their guns at their own head and she's like, you're not going to be able to pull the trigger on me. You'll pull them on yourself, which is peak badassery uh but obviously a bad look like if you're going for you are the pr of the island she's not doing a great job at that uh but then the more important piece of that scene is a mother approaches her uh, and she's like you guys your project phoenix saved my little girl you guys saved her is she gonna be okay and all emma could be like i think so uh 
which obviously is not reassuring for anyone, especially a mother. Shaw is like super mad in the present because all the orders have dried up. Like they're not selling any more of this medicine. Uh, and Exodus, he's like, it's just humanity's loss. If they don't want five more years of life, they don't need five more years of life. I'm Exodus. And Emma points out that Krakoa's economy relies on the sales of the medicine. Uh, Shaw should have seen this coming when he sided with Colossus. She begrudges Colossus for making this ethical stand. And then she goes after Nightcrawler for leaving. Chuck jumps in, defends Kurt leaving, reminding everyone of his rapid-fire resurrections during Judgment Day. They debate Destiny and Selene's various betrayals and machinations. And eventually, Exodus decides, I'm just going to kill Selene. Because then she'd be brought back by the five and she loses her vote. And that'll solve solve that problem. Uh, and like in the brawl, Exodus, again, this run has just been so good at proving he's a badass. Uh, basically tells her, I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to literally take your molecules and spread them as far as physically fathomable. The edges of the universe. Uh, but then Storm steps up and basically tells him he's taking it too far. Uh, and obviously them clashing would just destroy the whole island. Uh, and Exodus points out the obvious. If he or Storm choose not to be governed, they just won't be. Uh, so he starts to have like this breakdown and hope, despite her like ongoing animosity over the sinister betrayal he had, decides to help him walk it off. And they kind of decide, let's have a recess. And during that recess, Cypher approaches Chuck and encourages him to step down. He points out that everyone on the island sees his reputation as tarnished. Not just the members of the council, like Krakoa as a whole realizes Chuck done fucked up. Chuck like waxes poetic about how this was never his vision. He didn't want mutant separation. That was Apocalypse. That was Moira. That was Magneto. Uh, and he kind of has to catch himself. He starts calling him Eric again and then switches mid-sentence to calling him Max. When the council meeting resumes... Chuck is given in. He proposes disbanding the council. He is immediately supported by Kate and Emma. Sean Exodus are like confused because it seems like it's already been decided. Like these guys had a conversation without them. And Hope explains that yeah, we didn't want anyone to have a chance to like screw up the plan. So council disbanded. Oh, by the way, the five. Yeah, we're on strike until this council is disbanded. So Hope has a great moment. Uh, Exodus decries it, saying democracy is such an overly human concept. Uh, and then they debate for a minute, and it's interrupted by Doug, who gives this emphatic speech suggesting that only by evolving can Krakoa become the utopia that they all want it to be. He formally proposes the dissolving of the council and thanks them all for accepting it. Suddenly, Krakoa sucks him into the ground, and when Hope uses his powers to ask uh, what's going on, where is he, all Krakoa says is he's somewhere safe. Destiny announces that they've made a mistake and that she can see nothing, and then we get a gorgeous page of the whole council standing in front of Krakoa all looking scared as shit. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Line of the week for you. When uh, when Hope is, like, frantically trying to talk to Krakoa, and Chuck's like, ask, ask where he is. Where is he? She goes, I know you bald, and it's it's blocked out, but you assume, you assume it's one of the good swear words. Oh, yeah. Oh. Her, I personally am really hoping it's I know you bald bitch. Because yeah. <laughs> that just sounds good. That, that's what I jumped to, too. It might have been just my love of alliteration, but I assume it was bald bitch, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no matter what, like that was hope giving words to what we've all felt for so long. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So uh, the Quiet Council is gone. Yeah. Yeah, the Quiet Council is gone. Uh, and thank goodness <laughs> at this point. Like, let's be honest. It, it's a concept that has done its time. <laughs> Gave us an amazing book where we got to watch them all fail for a year and a half, but good riddance. Yeah. Um, yeah, like thematically, narratively, everything, I've loved having the Quiet Council, but as far as like if we're treating the story of Krakoa as like it, it needs to go. Like yep. it has to. There's <laughs> no way that it can continue. Well, it does two things. One, it takes it before it's overstayed its welcome in a way. Like, I feel like yes. narratively it's been enjoyable, but I feel like if they just continued swapping members, I feel like it would wear out its welcome. But it also reassures me that Fall of X is not the end of Krakoa. Because mm-hmm. thematically, it would be a really anticlimactic move to have this, to end the Quiet Council and to, to have this new foot forward for the leadership of Krakoa and then immediately not give us a future of Krakoa to, to play out this new leadership. So to exactly. me, to me, this is the best confirmation we've had yet. And obviously we're filming this slightly in the future. So even here in the future, to me, this is still the best evidence we have that Fall of X is not the end of Krakoa. Yeah, it would just, it would make, like you said, no sense at all to give like a whole new uh government and then immediately pull the rug out from under them yeah it would be it, it would be if it had been benjamin percy writing it maybe i think <laughs> that was a possibility but they i just don't see that happening here yeah i don't think kieran gillen would allow them to do that when we know he's got another year in the x office yeah uh if it was a lesser writer i would expect it but not from the <laughs> talent that we have absolutely uh speaking of that man's talent uh, it was so nice to see both the Sabretooth, like Mini, and the Inferno decisions that Doug made finally like come back around in such a big way because he references both of them. And he's like, he's he's telling Chuck, hey, like part of the failure of Krakoa is definitely on me because of these choices I made. Like, you all think there's all these people in the pit. It's just sinister down there. No one else is in that pit, Chuck. And mm-hmm. I think that's really neat that this story that felt like a side story is being brought in as not a side story. And like Inferno was obviously the big climax to Hickman's run, but it did kind of feel like Doug never got any consequences for setting Moyer free. So yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, what was it like Doug even said, like you wanted the pit to be nothing, but I didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Cypher is such a, trying to think of a less trope or cliche way to phrase it but like he's really the heart and soul of the island to an extent like yeah i know he literally is at when he's translating for Krakoa, but also just he's got such a unique i don't want to say innocence but it is kind of an innocence about him where like he has a purity to him that's different than anyone else on the island that's really it, it shined in this issue this book has I, been so good at being spotlight issues Yeah, I mean, incredibly so. And I think that, you know, even though it is a little cliched because he is, you know, the translator for the island, but it makes it so that, you know, he doesn't have these political stakes and machinations that are behind him. He just wants what's best for the island. Well, that's what gives such power to him being the one to formally propose as a non-voting member of the council to be the one that proposes hey, I say we end this council. And mm-hmm. I do have to say, I haven't seen enough people commenting on 
I don't know if they missed it in the art. I love that he he asks if there's any objections, and in the art you can see both Destiny raise her hand and object, and you can see Exodus stand up like they are uh, objecting, but he just plows through and says thank you and moves on, and like they never reference the fact that there clearly were two objections on the council. So great, I love that moment, and I I feel like it's underrated. Like people yeah. either breeze past it or. Yeah, smaller details that tell a little bit more to the story, flesh out the characters a little bit more. It's like, we we know, but it's cooler to see it. Yeah. Well, and just the unspokenness of it, the, 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 they just don't care. Like, there's no need to discuss it. We don't need to, to respect the objections, because there's only two of them, so we moved on. It's mm-hmm. a great, great little scene. Speaking of Destiny, though, since she objected, I do feel like her basically weaseling her way out of the conversation with exodus is just further proof she is the best talker i just love hearing her talk her way out of any situation absolutely i i love to hate destiny yeah (laughs) she's she's so much fun to just be mad at (laughs) just 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 such a great little (laughs) i'm trying to think of an analogy i can't think of like a an equally like i'm sure there's someone from like game of thrones or something that's equally good at like weaseling out of a situation but she's so good at it so good Mm -hmm. at it she can talk her way out of literally anything back to chuck i feel like the scene where he's talking to doug during the whatever uh, kind of recess in between and you see him like cry and like oh i was never the separatist i I wasn't the idealist. That was, and he points the fingers at everyone else, like always. It, it does an interesting thing because it still makes him look like a complete shitbag who will not accept responsibility for anything. Like that's always there. That's always lingering in the back of the way of modern uh, Chuck writing. Yeah. But it also kind of reconciles like the classic character with the Krakoan character because that's been a big talking point of kind of the anti-Krakoa fans is that oh this charles xavier doesn't need, like he doesn't have the same vision as the original charles that like his vision is so polar opposite of what charles stood for so it's interesting to see even if he does it in kind of a uh self self forgiving way like it's just so mm-hmm. so odd the way he does it it is cool to see him acknowledging that change he made yeah even in the in the worst way possible but then he is saying like hey yeah i was never that guy yeah i mean because like that's you know part of it is it's a factual statement that yeah. was not who he was but <laughs> it is who he is now and he has to own that and he's refusing to own it yep. to this day <laughs> are we ever going to get to see exodus and storm duke it out i would love to they've teased it multiple times now and like I just want to see them actually wail on each other. Yeah, I, I think that would be quite the showdown, uh, especially just like in in the in the area that we are in now. It would be such a cool showdown to see, and I'm really hoping I'm hoping that they give it to us. They're teasing it so much, I feel like we have to, right? Like, At some point. Well, I, like my money would be on Storm, but Exodus makes a good sales pitch for himself. Like the the I will literally spread your molecules further than like any uh, one can imagine was such a badass that was such a good scene oh yeah and he made really good points this issue like he's right 
the entire premise of Krakoa relies on all of these people who technically could do whatever the F they want, choosing to be governed by the council. They can mm-hmm. walk away and say, no, thank you, anytime they want. You're not pitting Storm. You're not pitting Exodus. Uh, you wouldn't have pitted Magneto when he was alive. You're not pitting... I, I know he he says maybe Celine. I think Celine would be tough to pit. Mm-hmm. She has been so fun on this council. Oh, such a fun addition. Like, good lord. that. that. I, I don't think I would have thought of how fun that was on my own, but it's really it's really proven itself as a, a great choice. So did you see, I threw up in the Discord, they finally revealed the issue 15, which is the Chuck alone on the island issue, but they released the Quiet Council variant, which I'm getting all the Quiet Council variants because I think they look amazing. It's like headshots of them like as royal like head, head Heads of state uh, portraits. Kind exactly. Of uh, they're all by Phil Noto. They're all gorgeous, and like this, like originally they went through the twelve council members, and then everyone was like, "What are we gonna do after that?" And we got one of Doug this month. We're getting one of uh, actual tree of like Krakoa's face next month, and then fifteen is gonna finally be Celine. And like Celine might have the best looking cover of them all. That is mm-hmm. such a cool looking cover. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, I I really like that one. I might have to end up getting that one because I'm not. I haven't been collecting them, but like if it's one that I really like, I've been getting them. So like I know that for a fact I have like Colossuses. Uh, See, I'm frustrated because I'm missing one of the early ones. I think it's three. But once mm-hmm. I get it, like that's that's gonna be my new behind me. Like I feel like them all lined up there. It's gonna look amazing. But yeah. I, I I have that OCD. Like I don't have true like clinical OCD, but I'm OCD enough. I, I cannot put them up with like a big gap in it. So I got to find that one I'm missing from early on. And then I'm going to set them all up up there. Cause yeah, that'll I, be really cool. It's such a cool variant program. Anyways, back to immortal. I'm sorry. No. Uh, okay. The very end. I don't know if you picked up on this. I don't know if this is me reading too deeply into it, but so when destiny is unable to see like the future anymore, especially around Doug, uh, there's this subtle language difference. So instead of in Sins of Sinister, like through all that, she kept saying, I can't see the future anymore. It's all blacked out. It's nothingness. It's all black. Here, she explicitly says, it's all white. I see all white. Like, the, Is that an implication that whatever it is, is more positive? Or may I propose, we've all been saying Rise of X or Spring of X is after Fall of X. Do you know what white usually represents? Oh, okay. I mean, I, I I didn't catch on to that, but you mentioning it, I'm like that. Again, if it were lesser writers, I would not think there was anything about it. But given who we are working with here, that language is not <laughs> unintentional. When it's the same guy writing it both times, it yeah. just evokes intentionality to me. Mm. And I, when I wrote it in my notes, I was thinking just more positive outcome was all that was being implied. But I'm liking the idea of like a winter of X now because mm. Fall of X we know is only six months. It's all those miniseries. So you have Fall of X be like the downfall of Krakoa and maybe Winter of X, Krakoa will be dormant for six months. And then you have the rebirth in like a spring of X after. 
Yeah. I could totally see him going that route. Or I could just see it being, we go right to the positivity in January, and that's what the wife is. But I think there is some optimism there. Yeah, I think either one uh, is a really good reading uh, of the potential of that. Yeah. I do really like Hope as, like, the ball buster lately. Like, I feel like she has stepped up big in her leadership role. And as someone who is right now really supporting this increase in labor, like, solidarity in this country right now, mm-hmm. it's pretty great to hear her say the word strike. Well, we're on strike until you guys fix it. Love it. I thought <laughs> that was very nice. It made me very happy. Um, I'm really enjoying uh, where Hope is at. I think you're exactly right. Like, I, this kind of renewed vigor of hers is really, really serving the story well. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the, we'll get to it in the coming couple days, but I, I think there's some roles opening up for her that she could slot right into and do a very good job at. <laughs> um, then bringing back up uh, Chuck bringing back up Kurt's uh, Judgment yes. Day move because I feel like we have not dealt with what a badass moment that is in a while. We 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 talked about it when it happened. That was one of the coolest things ever when he just decided to have like real time backups and to remember every time he died so he could map out the mm-hmm. uh, Orcus base, which I feel like Orcus has not shown their gratitude. Moira should be, like, thanking him still, because it would have been Kaputsky, but oh well. But that is a cool moment to have brought up and to have Chuck defend one of his former best friends who, he's he's not on the best terms with Nightcrawler right now, but he's still, he still had his back there. So props yeah, to Chuck and- for that one. Any time that uh, we can sing the praises of Kurt is a good time because he's he's had just such a run, such a run lately. And I, I got to be honest, the gap between the end of uh, Sins of Sinister and that, what was the Legion like epilogue, which mm-hmm. is before the falls was that? Sons, Sons of, of X. X. Yeah. The time frame from Sons of X all the way until Uncanny Spider-Man finally starts is too long. Yeah. I need me some Cy Spurrier Nightcrawler again. It's It's been too long. I'm getting getting chompy at the bit. <laughs> hey, but we're going to be getting it. We're going to be getting it. Yeah, except it's like the last Fall of X book to start. I don't think it starts until yeah. the middle of September or something ridiculous. It's, I'm just... Well, it'll be great when we get there. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for X-Force 42? Ready. (laughs) Written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Paul Davidson. It opens with the reveal that the beast buried at Stonehenge with the Cerebro Sword is now Nimrod Beast. Literally, the chamber he's in is like upgrading of wellies and stasis. So that's some pretty cool-ass tech, but that's completely ruined by him monologuing about uh, that all societies should have a fall or whatever. And then old man Quentin and his team show up in the dystopian future ran by him, and it's like super, like, uh, the most cliche future you can imagine. So they wear these pink headscarves, and he's like, oh, you don't have to worry about it. Scarves aren't, like, a thing anymore, so no one will know it's because we're hiding our identities. And then they visit the human zoo, because that's not the lamest sci-fi cliche ever. The human zoo. Uh... 
Nimrod Beast models himself a king and has Deadpool as his court gesture who keeps him from growing too bored until he discovers X-Force in his timeline. Uh, the X-Force finds that his not his ominous base is shaped like Nimrod's head because apparently it's just a theme. Beast models all his bases after heads now. Uh... They fight some guards while Quentin has the robotic tendrils from the last couple issues, like, try climbing out his mouth again. Quentin quickly builds them a psychic pink limo so he can drive them the rest of the way, but they don't have to go all the way to the base because Nimrod Beast shows up and just immediately captures them. Uh, but then they're all locked up in their high-tech chains and shackles, and Quentin pukes up Cerebrax, which connects to Beast, so instead of being like Quentin Quire is Cerebrax, Cerebrax is Quentin Quire, you're in Cerebrax is Nimrod Beast, Nimrod Beast is Cerebrax, and in the confusion Deadpool picks up the Cerebro sword and kills Beast. Just kaboom, Beast dead. Uh, so they go home. <laughs> Domino asks Colossus what he was trying to say before in the middle timeline and because it's a Ben Percy book Scrivener takes control right before the plot can be moved forward at all, and uh, it says to be continued, and I guess if that's what we're calling this is continuing, sure, sure. So this is the longest-running X-Book. It, it might be the longest-running single Marvel run still going, I think. Like, Ben oh, Bruce God. has been writing it for 42 straight issues. That might be the longest. I can't think of a current Marvel ongoing that's had the same writer for that long currently. That's, honestly, there, that's... There might be might be one out there, but... <laughs> I hate it, though. So, <laughs> so, with that knowledge, why can't it actually revol resolve a single fucking story? <laughs> that's the worst part. Nothing <laughs> ever gets actually resolved. It just like kind of starts happening and then it's like, hold on though, let's do this other thing that we've also been putting off for however many months. But then we don't actually do it. And we do nothing with it. Okay, I might... You'll have to tell me if I asked this last month, but uh, all these beasts were so easily killed. So you had uh, one Quentin kills... One, he and Deadpool kill this one. Uh, the only one that the X-Force team had any input on killing was sort of the first one. And that was only because Omega Red ate it. And then it, like, digesting it killed that beast. So, why did X-Force have to go along on this ride? Like, why well, did Quentin waste the time to go get the team? Yeah, so... Uh... Yeah, like, why, I mean, why does this book exist, you know, like, and I don't even mean that in, like, the mean I hate Benjamin Percy way that I normally do, I just mean, like, why does this book happen? We clearly didn't need the entirety of X-Force to be doing any of this. Yeah. Um, They haven't achieved anything new uh, that no one else could have done. Like, it's just... Laura Laura spoke five words. Percy called dibs on Laura and spoke she spoke five words. Why does this book exist? I don't is there's so many there's so many stupid things in this book. Okay, so here's one that uh me personally I had a ton of beef with, right? So they're wearing their stupid pink scarves and Quentin is like scarves aren't a thing anymore. 
so people won't question us. And I'm like, wouldn't that make them question you more? Because people don't wear scarves anymore, and now all of a sudden there's these weirdos wearing pink matching things that no one wears anymore. If I saw if I saw that group walking down the street with matching pink things that nobody wears, I'd be like, yo, dog, something is happening. No, yo, you're totally right, because like not only would everyone notice a whole group of people wearing a piece of clothing that does not get worn anymore now in quote-unquote free society but we're talking whoa hi hi Hi, monitor hey (laughs) we're talking camera we're talking a fictional fascist like government with that he's he has meticulous ridiculous control where like giant holograms of himself are keeping watch on everyone and we're supposed to believe people are going to be less nosy about weird fashion statements like <laughs> just i don't i don't get it and it doesn't make any sense speaking of not making sense were were these three beast timelines sequential like is this supposed to be one timeline that we hopped forward in three times because they were all buried like in the present but he seems to imply early on that they had to like beat each one and then the next one was worse. But wouldn't like fiddling with a hundred years from now affect a thousand years from now if it was one? T- I just what I'm saying is I do not understand the rules of this tiny whiny adventure in the slightest. Right. That so that's a thing that I've been trying to wrap my head around because it doesn't make sense. Again. And you know maybe maybe Benjamin Percy runs off of the don't ask questions uh, philosophy, but I'm just like so it's either yeah like you said it's either separate timelines which then they're all planted by the same beast and then they all create separate timelines so the other ones just sit there eternally, yeah or or they all start awakening and they all have these weird different futures and I just you mean to tell me that like a despotic nimrod beast hasn't accidentally dug up one of the other ones or something i I just what right well and like we saw all like the last one was the the weird flora that took over the whole like the whole planet became krakoa but like how would a couple hundred years later that just be back to regular dystopian oh and and this was just bootlegs of the sinister this whole story right oh yeah so the fact that it ends with a bootleg of uh, Moira Six, so like her future from Powers of X, was it like, like the like shit on shit pepperoni on a shit pizza? You know what I mean? Like it just what? Yeah, <laughs> made absolutely no sense for Beast to want to create. Uh, a variation, even if it was a variation that punished human instead of mutants, of one of the worst possible futures that they would face. Mm-hmm. And, like, how would he coincidentally recreate it? You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't know about it. We read about her past lives, but it's not like Beast got some kind of recap from her, where it got her bullet notes of, like, here's how my sixth life went, and, man, it was real shitty having Nimrod, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna recreate that exact Nimrod with the exact same 
like yeah. future with the human zoo and all that bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I get that it's like whimsical comics, like you said, maybe first it's just in like don't ask mindset, but none of it's earned. Like yeah. I love whimsy. I love comics that just shoot for the stars. That's one of the reasons I love Hickman. But I feel like none of it feels earned here. It's all bullshit. Yeah, I yeah. I love whimsy. I find myself to be quite whimsical, but this is not doing it for me. <laughs> this ain't whimsy. <laughs> I know whimsy when I see it. <laughs> uh, more, or you want to do Rogan Gambit? <laughs> I mean, do I want to do Rogan Gambit? <laughs> you know what? I am so excited that we are only a couple episodes away from comics I'm going to be legit excited to talk about. Me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Rogan Gambit number five, written by Stephanie Phillips, drawn by Carlos Gomez. It opens with Gambit appealing to Rogue that surely their love is strong enough to break the mind control the power broker has. And she just decks him, and she's like, please leave. I can't control myself. I'm going to kill you. Unfortunately, I hate to break it to you. That's not where the issue ended. Like, that would have been a great way to end this miniseries and set up Dark X-Men. Just have Rogue just so apologetic while just beating the shit out of Gambit and have them break up. But no. So, uh, instead, uh, they brawl, and I mean, they go all out but then he says like some corny shit about there's nothing my wife can't do but in his accent you'd probably say it better than i would because you could pull off the cajun voice no we're not gonna worry about that right now (laughs) and it uh it works they start to make out and power broker gets mad so they brawl some more and then lady Deathstrike shows up steals his controls and like all the other capture characters come help kick some ass woohoo they beat the power broker with their fists and then back on krakoa Destiny has Rogue help uh, send a still mind control manifold. So, like, Rogue did him dirty to safety in this water coffin. And then uh, the story ends with Rogue making Gambit some gumbo. And apparently the relationship problems are all resolved without actually talking through any of the problems that were raised throughout this series through both of them, through text messages with third parties. So... Apparently, the moral of the story is don't talk to your partner. Just yeah. just repress your emotions. Just repress them. That's what Rogan Gambit would do. Repress all of your emotions and work through your relationship troubles with a raccoon. That's how you do this. <laughs> Why didn't they just break them up? I know I don't even mean permanently. Like, yes, I would enjoy the broke up permanently. But I feel like the right move would have been break them up, send him into Dark X-Men, really yes. upset about their relationship. And let them get back together in six months. Absolutely. As as a proponent of little guy supremacy, I also think that they should have broken up. Because I think that Gambit as a broken man going into Dark X-Men is such a better call. Yeah. All right. So really, uh, okay. The plot of this issue was straightforward garbage. No one cares. Does not matter. We do have to talk about from the end there. Uh, Manifold, Destiny, Rogue, like, it's obviously, like, Chekhov's done for callbacks. Like, that's gonna be mm-hmm. something they pull at, like, they're gonna bring it up in the last act of, like, oh, yeah, don't worry, Manifold, he could teleport people wherever, he just has to think it, like, whoa, we got Manifold, yay! Uh, but let's talk about the morality of Rogue, like, just agreeing with Mom that quickly and giving him zero agency. 
Yeah, let's talk about that. Let me ask you a hypothetical. Uh-huh. What's worse? Giving Manifold zero agency or or letting Black Panther save the woman that you chained to an oven. What's which which is the worst sin? <laughs> okay. I would say I would say Gambit is still ah. <laughs> because his 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 was more likely to result in a murder. Like his was under legal definitions a Ale- murder allegedly. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like if they went to court, if they yeah. went to court, mm-hmm. the prosecutors would argue attempted murder and would have a pretty open and shut case whereas with with the the rogue thing like kidnapping maybe human trafficking or like i don't even know like is like brainwashing like i don't know what that legal charge would be but like none of those amount to the stakes of first degree murder like handcuffing a woman to an oven to distract your your what should be friend? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. That scene will forever be embedded in my brain as one of the weirdest decisions ever in a comic book. I don't understand how they justified that. No, absolutely. I, uh, as much as I fight for just a little guy's supremacy and uh, you know forgiving his scampish behavior, um, I do. I get it. I just you know I had to bring that up. Like you know we're talking morality. No, it's a good point. I would say it brings Stephanie's uh, rogue characterization more in line with her gambit. Like they're mm-hmm. both in some gray area right now, morality wise. That you know, actually, that's a really good point. <laughs> I I also though for like all the tension she has had with Destiny, I'm really surprised how easily, how quickly she went along with it. Mm-hmm. Like, and. That again, we had zero actual resolution or forward movement on how shitty Destiny treats Gambit. Yeah. Like, I feel like this should have happened in the previous issue. And the end of this story should have been Gambit finding out and finally confronting her with the fact that, like, look, not only, not only did your mom just have you human traffic our friend, but... She also was always treating me like shit, and you've never stood up for me. Like that's where this story should have gone. They should have moved the relationship forward, had them actually deal with shit. But nothing got dealt with. Nothing at all, except for the the text messages to Storm and a raccoon. Yes. <laughs> anyways, anyways, should we go around the Marvel universe? Let's do it. All right, we got lots, lots, lots of books that were very tangentially either only kind of related to the X-Men or were X-Books that only kind of mattered. So which one do you want to talk first? I, Days of Future Past, I guess. Okay. Did you read it? Yeah, I skimmed it. Have you read the original Days of Future Past? Not in a long time. Okay, that's one we can go back to at some point. if we Like, if there's ever a slow period of X-Comics, which does not seem like there's going to be anytime soon, but... The Doomsday Mini is interesting because it's a prequel to a potential future or a one of the you know their alternate futures. So this this is a book by Martin Guggenheim and I don't remember the artist. Where 
we're getting essentially the the downfall of all of the characters in the near future that led to the days of future past timeline itself like it's just a depressing ass issue because you just get to see how all your friends died like that's all yeah. this is doing it's like oh yeah this is how she died this is how he died this was not a fun experience in the slightest no like and that's kind of why i just ended up kind of you know <laughs> well, it makes, through it it makes me doubt I'm going to enjoy any revisiting we do to Synth of Sinister as much as we recently talked about wanting to go back there. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they don't understand, or at least, like, I like Mark Guggenheim. I'm actually reading a bunch of stuff he's writing right now that I really enjoy. But if, it seems like if this is what editorial thinks we want from these revisiting of these futures, that they don't understand the parts that we want more of. Right. No one's sitting there like, man, I really ought to know how they got into this miserable position. I really need to know. No one's asking for that. Mm-hmm. We want more of the world we saw, not the like shitty circumstances that led us to it. And exactly. this is like a five-issue mini. I do not want to read four more issues of this. I will for this podcast, but oof, tough read. And hey, ain't that the story of all the minis that we've been reading? Like, <laughs> Why? Why are they not giving us? That's great. We're getting some good ones with follow-backs. I am we super are. excited for like all of the follow-backs minis, pretty much. Same. Uh, Scarlet Witch, number six. Once we're actually dealing with Joseph, we're going to move this out of around the Marvel Universe. However, do you remember issue five ended with a cliffhanger where we got, it was revealed that, hey, Magneto in a cave, and it's obviously not really Magneto, but it's Magneto in a cave. Well, this one, this, the plot had nothing to do with any of that. Nothing and then the last, the last page reveal was, oh, Magneto shows up at her house, and she's like, or the, the house, the like coffee shop thing, she, or bookstore right. she's running. She's like, Dad? But at least this time, the art makes it even more obvious it's Joseph, because you can clearly see the beheading scar. So Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, great job, Wanda, not noticing <laughs> the giant scar around your father's neck from right. when his head got chopped off. Well, and then there's like the, the dad, they're not dad pages, because that's the Avengers office, but like the journal note from... Uh, What's her name? The MCU Darcy. Darcy. The the letter from Darcy where she's describing is like, oh yeah, there's some weird family drama from the guy that looks like her dad. So like, even Darcy recognizes, but Wanda doesn't. It's it's just funny. Anyways, uh, the fallen fallen friend one shot, which we don't need to do a bunch of speculation on because we are filming this in the future, and so uh, keep watching the next episode. We're going to talk about what this implies but so the actual funeral issue the issue that got printed uh had a couple nice tributes to kamala khan it was one was written by g willow wilson which was nice to see it still was totally really weird because you had things like you had steve rogers delivering the eulogy when she had no relationship and like he talked about her in an abstract sense of like all the things she represented when you think you want your friends to go up and talk about who you were, not these like abstract symbols you were. But anyways, they did this thing where they released an online epilogue where it was like two extra pages that you only could get on the Marvel website. You couldn't actually get in the comic, which I hope they never do again. That's a really weird way to release content. And in it, Cyclops shows up late to the funeral and then the champions are like, dude, why weren't you there? And he was like, 
Don't worry, I was doing a thing. You'll find out soon. You'll find out at the gala. Wing, wing, wing. I think he actually phrases it in a couple weeks. But like, oh yeah, you'll find out. And it's just, it's so disingenuous. It's so insulting to the legacy of Kamala Khan. It's so insulting to the reader that it's so obviously editorial, just shoehorning this this huge change. Uh, by throwing away a character essentially it was just yeah. a big bummer yeah and and like there was like a moment or two in there that you know it's like nice moments yeah um, i i thought they brought in the right creative teams so there was good moments in there yeah. it just wasn't enough to salvage the ick factor for me at least absolutely um honestly if anything i was frustrated because those nice moments um that could have been really impactful if this was like an actual important moment uh, in Kamala Khan's history. <laughs> yeah. That's... That uh, it would have been really impactful if like maybe she had died in her own book, <laughs> doing her own thing or with her actual friends and not just like a random coworker that she has, you know, yeah. um, if it had been anything, that's not how awful this actually is some of those nice moments uh, could have been played really well. But instead, mm -hmm. I'm just like, wow, this nice moment has to forever be associated with uh, one of the grossest moments <laughs> in recent memory. Definitely the grossest Marvel has done in the last few years that I can think of. Like, I can't think yeah. of a thing that's disgusted me more. Yeah. And future rod will reveal it gets worse <laughs> all right next week or next episode next episode we've got x-men red number 13 new mutants lethal legion number five and breaking news after nearly a year of us covering every comic that comes out that includes stuff like Days of Future Past, Doomsday. I'm putting my foot down. We are not reading Deadpool, Bad or Blood number two. I'm Absolutely not. I can do no more Liefeld. I'm just done. I'm, I'm going to say, fuck Rob Liefeld. <laughs> I'm good. Like, I am so good with just dropping the pretense and saying, we are not covering the rest of Bad or Blood. And we will continue to discriminate against certain terrible, non-important books. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Any other late-breaking news or gossip you want to cover? Not that I can think of. Then we'll see you next time. So, hey, you probably realized by the fact that you're getting a bunch of episodes released all at once instead of when we fit, they were supposed to come out or even when we recorded them. Newborn life is still crazy. Also, Keegan's teaching already. Our timing might be off for a little while. I'm thinking yeah. by, like, October, we'll have it even back out. But, like, and that's giving us a long, long runway. We might be, like, kosher before then. But be ready for some rockiness until then. Yeah. It's just the way it's going to be. We love you guys. Uh, I've seen it's... it. Our, our socials have seen an increase in engagement. So, like, there is people True. discovering us. And I am enjoying that. I'm enjoying that people know about Rocco Public Radio. This is like my one creative outlet I am maintaining while I'm have no life. So I want you to know I do prioritize it. 
It's you know, it's it's really hard to reason with babies. They yeah. tend to not subscribe to any logic <laughs> or podcasts. Like, I keep telling them, like, if you girls listen, you'll appreciate what daddy's doing. But no, no, they just want to milk, booby. That's all they want. <laughs> I'm that nerdy papa bear on all the socials. We have a Discord. Uh, Oh, I'm not. I'm not Nerdy Papa Bear on all the socials except for X. On X, I'm Nerdy Papa Bear. Uh, Keegan is Bulk Ranger. Until next time, remember to check people claiming to be your dad back from the dead for like scars and shit. Because like, yeah, you never know. It's a, it's a good policy. <laughs> <laughs>